This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. The Blue Cliff Record, Case 17. A monk asks Master Corin, What is the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West? Corin replied, Sitting a long time is very tiring. Now on a session day in particular, most of you, I assume, will have no trouble agreeing with Corin's statement. Sitting a long time is tiring. What is harder for us to really grasp is the way in which it's an answer to the monk's question. We could say that this koan illustrates something from Dogen, which uh, I'll paraphrase as those who are enlightened about the nature of delusion are Buddhas. Those who are deluded about the nature of enlightenment are mired in suffering. The question, what is the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West, is a stock question. In many koans and many stories, a monk asks it to prompt the teacher to give some kind of expression, some kind of teaching. But it's a particular kind of prompt that seems to be asking for the essence of the teaching. What's the core? What, what's it really come down to? What's the meaning of his coming? Right? Sometimes it's phrased, why did Bodhidharma come from the West? Right? And whether you ask about the meaning or why did he come, in each case it's framed to hook into our tendency to want there to be a certain kind of answer. Something that is the essential teaching that we can, we can grasp. And Koran's response, 
which is completely true, completely matter-of-fact, something everybody knows, just undercuts our expectations about what an answer to that question ought to look like. In one sense we can say his answer exemplifies what we might call post-enlightenment, post-Kensho practice. Not about the attainment of some special state, but what's supposed to happen the day after that special state? What's that going to look like? How is that going to be any different? It's a companion piece, a companion koan in a way, I think, to the koan about the fire boy seeking fire. In that one, a monk comes to a new teacher who asks him where he's been and what he's studied in the past. And he says, I was with, many, with so-and-so for many years. And he says, while there, I finally grasped the meaning of the fire boy seeking fire. The new teacher cocks an eyebrow and says, oh, what did you understand? And the monk says, the fire boy has been seeking the very thing he's made of all this time. And the new teacher says, oh, I'm afraid you didn't really get it. Which throws the monk into a great state of confusion, a little bit of anger. What do you mean I didn't get it? <laughs> and the bell rings and the monk goes back to the zendo for a while. And he's just in a mess because he thinks it's the most He's finally really understood something, that the thing that he's been looking for is the, his essence all along. What could be wrong with that? Right? And he comes back into the Dokusan room the next day, and uh, he's just in a complete tizzy. <laughs> and he says, Master, I just do not get it. What, what possible... What, possibly was wrong with my answer. What? How could I have been wrong? The master says, the fire boy is seeking fire. And with that, the monk gets something else. And so what's the difference the second time around? I actually gave a brief Taisho on this koan in my sleep. <laughs> it's an interesting experience. Um, friend Susan Moon 
it's talking to me about we should do something about koans at this next uh, teacher's meeting. What do you think we should say about them? And we said a few things back and forth, but didn't arrive at anything. And that night I went to sleep. And in my dream I was saying to her, the important thing about koans is that people think the big difference is between their initial state of feeling like this isn't it and finally getting a, a moment of experience where they say, this is it. And they think that's what a koan's supposed to do. Give them the experience, this is it. And I said, but that's really superficial. This is all in my dream. <laughs> so what's really important is that they see that the mind that says this isn't it, is it. <laughs> and that's the fire boy seeking fire. The fire boy needs to see that the mind that is thrown into anger and confusion is also the fire. Right? Not just some idealized essence that he thinks he's achieving by getting it, right? And that's what's really important about this practice. It's not so much about getting it, but what are we like when we don't get it? <laughs> right? How does it transform the experience of mistakes, of not getting it? Right? We hear some laughter from the Jikido, who has, who has some experience in this department, right? <laughs> right? See, it's, um, it's hard to be a Jikido, because there's a lot to get right. But the point about being a Jikido is not just to get things right. It's to model how you deal with getting things wrong. Right? Because that's really the business of our everyday life, uh, where we face being wrong, not getting it right, feeling shame or humiliation in front of other people. You know, I finally made it to be Jikido, right? They gave me all this responsibility, and what do I do? I get the whole order of service wrong, right? Eh? <laughs> But she can laugh. Right? This is all we ask. Right? I got it wrong in my very own particular way. way. That's right. <laughs> I got it wrong my way. <laughs> That's right. So this koan, you know, again, if we come back to that, sitting long becomes tiring. Uh, being tired is rarely what we think of as an ex expression of realization. Right? And yet, what is being modeled here is just complete Entering into with you know full acceptance 
of how the mind-body is moment after moment, regardless of its content. You know, regardless of all the ways it deviates from our sense of what we're expecting from our, from our practice. Um, I had the funny idea, you know, this morning as I was sitting that um, our usual kind of practice is sort of like uh, uh, we start out practicing the way um, a dog chases a fire truck. <laughs> We've got the idea of something big and shiny and important and it's going down the street and we just tear off after the damn thing, you know. We're going to catch that fire truck, right? And we... That dog just will never give up. He chases that fire truck. It's wonderful. Of course, there's always the question of what would a dog do with a fire truck if he ever... <laughs> but I guess it must happen sometime, right? And maybe, you know, some dogs get run over by the fire truck in the process. There is a certain casualty rate in this business. Uh, but, you know, one day maybe that dog just caught that truck and just leaped up onto it and the firemen all applauded and they took him back to the firehouse and gave him a big bowl of uh, chili or whatever, you know. And <laughs> dog was, uh, he, he finally made it, right? And his master was so proud, he, he, he got him a special bowl. And on the bowl, you know, it said, the dog who caught the fire truck. <laughs> You know, and so the dog goes home, has his special bowl, and then he just sits around and gets fat and lazy. And all the little dogs come around to him, and you know he just spends the rest of his days talking about the time I caught the fire truck. <laughs> you know, and the puppies say, "Tell us one more time, Grandpa, how you caught the fire caught the fire truck." Okay? Well, we can do that with our, our practice. Um, can, we can get something, we can think we're proud of it, we think we're special because we did it, but then what are we supposed to do? Right? What's supposed to happen the next day? Now, you know, you could say the dog could convey the wisdom to the, the pups, you know, well, you know, catching the fire truck's really not all that special, you know, kids, you know. But you don't want you don't want dogs to stop chasing fire trucks exactly, right? It's, it's so doggy to do that, you know? I mean, it's what, it's what dogs do. They chase fire trucks. Um, what we want from that old dog, in some sense, is a, an understanding that the whole point is the excitement of the chase, right? of throwing yourself wholeheartedly into something. Right? Not, now I finally got it and I can sit back and tell stories about my great day. Not, well, I got it, it didn't turn out to be so special, so why bother? I won't chase any trucks anymore. Right? But when the little pups come around, you say, hey kids, a truck is coming, let's go get it. <laughs> 